Good morning, and thanks for joining us on this, the first Sunday of May. I'm Pastor Jim, and I'm right here where you left me last week, in the first pew at Trinity Lutheran Church with my little friends. Now, I'm not sure they're Lutheran, and that's okay, but to tell the truth, I'm really most comfortable with Lutherans. Come to think of it, I'm not even sure that they're Christians, and that might be a little troubling since they're taking up pandemic residence in this sanctuary. And yellow hair, yeah, this one, he makes me a little uncomfortable. This one over here doesn't look like an American. And what is it with those clothes? It's not that I'm prejudiced or anything. I just prefer to be with my own kind. Christians, Americans, you know, people who look like me. Old, bald, white guys. That's right. I like my tribe. And some of the other tribes make me, well, a little nervous. So I want to welcome you to worship. This morning, we're going to be talking about love, inclusion, exclusion, and tribalism. On this 60th Sunday of online worship, it is my prayer that God will open the eyes of my heart, that I may see God, and that I might come to see the reflection of God in neighbors far and near, neighbors of different colors, neighbors of different dress and cultures and orientations. Yes, it's good that we're here. My friends and I will get those candles lit, and I'm going to invite you to join Carl in singing our opening hymn, which is Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. Are you ready? Let's do it. rejoice and be glad in it. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Come into our hearts, Lord Jesus. 
Comfort us in our grief. Inspire us to acts of kindness. Give us clear vision that we might see each and every citizen of earth as a child of God. Teach us the way of love and give us the courage to live it. We pray in the name that is above all other names, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our text this morning is a continuation of last week's reading from the book of 1 John. And Diane Ryersgaard is going to read for us this morning. Diane also serves on our church council. Over to you, Diane. The lesson is from 1 John chapter 4. God is love. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other, since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God, because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, ever. But if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us, and his love becomes complete in us. Perfect love. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Diane. Carl and Ron are going to sing for us now a Jay Beach song called We're Family. I don't remember seeing you around. You must be from the other side of town. You look a little bit strange to me. But that's all right, I like variety. See all those people not the same as me Finding some comfort in diversity Just like an alloy that's so strong you see Put all together it's community Sister standing hand in hand Let's hear you sing it all across this land If love has found you then let's have a nod We're living in the family
certainly ought to love each other. Right? Can we agree on that? We may or may not agree on a wide variety of social and political issues, but can we agree on that? We ought to love each other. Good. We've agreed. It's settled then. Now go forth and do that. Love your neighbor. But then the question always arises. Who is my neighbor? Who qualifies? And just as important, who by race or belief or behavior are disqualified? This morning we will be confronted by a critical question. A question faced by the church in its infancy and unfortunately, 2,000 years later, the church still finds itself unsure of the answer. And as much as God tries to teach us, we seem reluctant or unable to grasp the truth. Now, I'm going to be telling you a few stories this morning. All of the stories will be from the book of Acts. Old stories, stories of the earliest days of the emerging Jesus movement a movement that would become the Christian church. I'm going to provide you with a map. It will help you to follow along. This is an ancient map of Palestine. There you see Jerusalem. Also on the map, you see the port city of Joppa. Below it, the Gaza Strip. And up the coast, you see the city of Caesarea. We start in Jerusalem. That is where Jesus was crucified and buried. The first Easter took place in Jerusalem. Jesus was a Jew. His followers were Jews. The earliest Christians were Jews. Now, given that undisputed historical fact, it is beyond my comprehension how Christians could ever be prejudiced against Jews. But I suppose it goes back to something deeper. It goes back to tribalism. Humans of all times and all lands have tended to be tribal. If you are a part of our tribe, you look like us. You speak our language. You dress like us. You salute the same flag. You have similar diets and customs. Now, we may or may not like you personally, but you're a part of our tribe nonetheless. Members of other tribes are suspect at best. They are probably dangerous. They may wish us harm. They may want to conquer us or take us into slavery. And they eat strange food. And they have strange customs. And they speak strange languages. And they worship strange gods. All in all, it is just safer and more comfortable to avoid other tribes altogether. Stay with your own. Stick with people who look like you. Back to Jerusalem. The earliest Christians, the Jews of Jerusalem, had very little to go on. There were no buildings. There were no seminaries. There were no church colleges. In fact, in its infancy, the church didn't even have a name. Christians were simply known as followers of the way. They had little to go on. There were no songbooks, and the New Testament had not yet been written. Eyewitnesses among them recalled the miracles of Jesus. They recounted his teachings. They retold the rabbi's parables. 
They spoke of his life and his death and his resurrection. Christianity, make no mistake about it, was a Jewish movement. The followers of the way were practicing Jews, a tribal offshoot of Judaism. The book of Acts describes the earliest Christian community in this way. They attended the temple daily, and in the evening, they would break bread at home and eat their food with glad and generous hearts. The post-Easter Jesus movement was centered in Jerusalem. Jews for Jesus. Faithful Jews who continued to keep the laws of Judaism. The movement was tribal, and it was exclusively for Jews. So if you wanted to become a part of the Jesus movement, no problem. You just had to convert to Judaism first. And the initiation rite was, well, let's just say, a little painful. Hear ye, hear ye, anyone wanting to follow Jesus, line up over here, drop your shorts, and be circumcised, and say goodbye to bacon, and you can join us. It was a marketing nightmare, a very tough sell. Consequently, there were not a lot of takers. But more important than that, it was never the way Jesus wanted it. It was never what Jesus had in mind for this new movement that would bear his name. After all, God had created all tribes. God had created all people. And this movement, fueled by love, was supposed to be for the whole world. Now, you may recall the last words of Jesus in the book of Acts. Jesus said to his disciples, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the great commission of Acts. Take the good news to the ends of the earth. And in order to do so, you're going to need to break out of your Jewish tribalism. God loved us first. We certainly ought to love one another, right? We agreed on that. But who is my neighbor? Who should have access to God's love? This was the critical question that was emerging in the early church. Who is included? And who should be excluded? How are we going to structure this new Christian movement? What membership requirements should we have? We must have order. We must have law and rules and requirements, right? Should sinners, Gentiles, pagans, Romans, Norwegians, or even Yankee fans be allowed to join the Jews for Jesus movement? That was the question before the early church. Was Jesus really the Savior of the world? Or was he just a Jewish Messiah? Could God's love really include everyone? Well, the church thought about it, and the church said, yes, Jesus died for all. So I'll tell you what, you want to join the movement? No problem. Just become like us, and you're welcome. Dress like us. Keep the laws that we keep, drop your shorts, be circumcised, and say goodbye to bacon. The movement had lost its direction. The Jews, for Jesus, did not quite understand the Jesus revolution. 
this outpouring of grace and inclusivity. Well, that was about to change. The church and the world were about to change. So come along with me into the book of Acts, the eighth chapter of the book of Acts, where we hear these words. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go. Get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza to the wilderness road. When Philip arrived, he encountered there an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the queen of the Ethiopians. This dark-skinned man was returning from Jerusalem. Clearly, he was of a different tribe, and his body had been mutilated, and he was an unclean foreigner. But the Spirit of God said to Philip, Go, go join him in his chariot. The Ethiopian was there reading the words of the prophet Isaiah. What does that mean? It means he was educated. He could read. He could read Hebrew. And he was curious about God. He was seeking truth. The conversation quickly picked up. Philip started telling him about the prophecy from Isaiah and how it had been fulfilled in Jesus. Philip told him all about Jesus of Nazareth, the great rabbi who had lived and loved and died for the people, and on the third day was raised from the dead. And Philip said, all who were baptized in the name of Jesus become his followers. With that, the Ethiopian commanded the chariot to stop. He looked down, and there was a river. There was water. He said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? The two of them stumbled down the shore into the water. Philip did not ask him if he had taken a new members class. He did not ask him if he had been vaccinated. He did not make him memorize Luther's small catechism. And he did not say, hand over your bacon. The Ethiopian eunuch was baptized this day. And the church had become more than the Jews for Jesus movement. The text continues. It said, Philip went about preaching about Jesus to all who would listen until, wait for it, until he approached Caesarea. Philip would go no further. Caesarea was a magnificent harbor city, but it was a Roman city, a pagan city. Caesarea was just the type of place that good Jews were taught to avoid. Why? Well, there were other tribes there. They were not our people. They were dangerous. They would corrupt you. The gospel of Jesus may have been for everyone, but not for the Romans, not for the pagans. Meanwhile, just down the coast, Peter was headed to Joppa. Joppa, the port made famous by... Jonah. Jonah, the Old Testament prophet who was charged by God with a most disgusting task. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, to the most hated enemy of Israel, and to call them to repent and to turn to God. Now, the very thought of spending time in Nineveh was repulsive to Jonah. So repulsive, in fact, that Jonah boarded a cruise ship that was sailing in the opposite direction. But before Jonah could get in the buffet line, he became the evening meal for a whale. 
Jonah spent three sleepless nights in the belly of the whale before being barfed up on the shores of Assyria. It seems, yes, it seems, that God does care about other tribes. Peter was approaching Joppa. The whale was swimming just off the shore, just in case. When Peter arrived, there was a funeral going on for a very lovely Jewish woman named Tabitha. Everyone was crying as they displayed her beautiful sewing projects and remembered her thoughtful acts of charity. Peter put the mourners out of the room. He knelt down by the corpse and he prayed. Then he called to Tabitha. He called to her to awake, to arise. And with that, the woman who was dead became very much alive. The story spread like wildfire. Peter, exhausted, stayed on to rest. He would stay at the home of Simon the Tanner. Meanwhile, up the coast, some 35 miles on your map, in the pagan city of Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. He was a centurion. That means he was in charge of a hundred Roman soldiers from Italy. Now, by all accounts, this Cornelius was a good man. He was a God-fearing man. He was generous in supporting the poor, and he prayed constantly to a God whose name he did not know. One afternoon at about three o'clock, he had a vision. And in this vision, an angel of God came to him saying, Cornelius, your prayers and your alms have been noticed by God. Now send a contingent of men to Joppa and find there the man called Simon Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner. The good soldier recognized the higher authority. So immediately he sent two of his slaves and two of his very best soldiers on a road trip down the coast to Joppa. About noon the next day, Peter went up to the flat roof of Simon the Tanner's house. The magnificent views of the Mediterranean and the cool breezes allowed Peter to relax. Soon he was thinking about lunch. He was hungry, and he wondered what his host had in mind for his noontime meal. Well, that's when it happened. What happened? The sky above the Mediterranean seemed to split. It opened up. Heaven opened, and something like a sheet began coming down. Was it a preview of his lunch menu? No. It was a disgusting platter of unclean food, food that Peter had spent his lifetime avoiding. There were snakes and pigs and birds, assorted reptiles and lutefisk. Peter was hungry, but he was not that hungry. And then he heard a voice from heaven saying, Get up, Peter, and eat. Peter responded by saying, with all due respect, I would rather go to McDonald's. I have never in my life eaten something that is profane or unclean. The voice from heaven then boomed out, Peter, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. Just then, there was a knock at the door. Peter was startled. He was now sweating profusely. It was the FBI. No, it wasn't. It was Cornelius. Actually, it was Cornelius's men. They were standing outside and demanding to talk to Peter. Before he could get off the roof and hide in his bedroom, the voice from heaven again addressed Peter, saying, Look, three men 
are searching for you. Now get up, go downstairs, and go with them. Go without hesitation, Peter, for I have sent them. But Peter did hesitate. And then the voice said, Go, Peter, do not make me get the whale involved again. Could it be? Could it be that the Jews for Jesus movement was about to be expanded to include Gentiles? Peter went with them. And I would imagine that he was second-guessing himself every step of the way. What are the other disciples going to think of this? Will I be defiled by entering Caesarea? What if they ask me to come into the house? What if they offer me bacon? Peter walked into the city. The headquarters of Pontius Pilate was there. A magnificent hippodrome sat by the water. And Peter was invited into the house of Cornelius. He met Cornelius. He met the rest of the family. And then Peter gave a spirit-inspired speech. He said, you know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or to visit a Gentile. But perhaps my Jewish tribalism is finally giving away to the Spirit of Jesus. Yes, God has shown me that I must not call any person profane or unclean. Cornelius then shared his testimony with Peter, and it was clear that their hearts were in the right place. They longed to hear good news. They were searching for truth. Peter spoke again, saying, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who turns to God and does what is right is acceptable to God. Then Peter told them about Jesus. He shared the message of God's mercy and grace. Grace. The Holy Spirit then fell upon Cornelius and his family. And Peter said, Can anyone withhold the waters for baptizing these people? And they were baptized that very day in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, God had broken into the world of tribalism. God had declared love and concern for the entire world. And the actions of Philip and Peter, the Jews for Jesus movement, would be changed. It would become a new entity. It would no longer be Jews for Jesus. It would now be the Christian church. Now I might ask you what... Uh, what tribes are you a part of? The daughters of the American Revolution? The daughters of Norway? Husky alumni? Cougar alumni? A womb-to-tomb Lutheran? Third-generation Kiwanis member? Go to Ancestry.com and figure it out. Are you Irish, English, Spanish, or Pacific Islander? What tribe are you a part of? Are you a straight white male? Are you a flag-waving American? Are you a lifelong Democrat? What tribes are you a part of? And what other tribes do you fear? What other tribes do you find to be abhorrent, profane, or unclean? In, in the stories we shared today, we found out that there was room at the table for a dark-skinned eunuch from Ethiopia. 
and there was room at the table for a Roman soldier who was part of an occupying army. There was room at the table for other tribes and cultures and races and genders. For God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to show us another way. Jesus came to do away with hatred and bigotry and tribalism. We ought to love each other. We've agreed upon that, right? You see, there's good news in all of this. There's very liberating news in these stories. We have been set free. Set free, you see. There's no need for us to judge others. Why do we care what clothes they wear? Why do we care what color their hair is? Whom they choose to love? Or what strange foods they might eat? What is that to us? We are free, you see. No one appointed you to be the judge of other people's life choices. Jesus sets you free from all judging and excluding. You don't have to understand, explain, or justify your neighbor's choices or lifestyle. You have only one calling, and that is to love them. Remember, we agreed on that, did we not? We certainly ought to love each other. This morning, God comes into our midst in worship. God comes to us and says, try it. Just try it. Love. No walls. No background checks. No need to judge or exclude anyone or any tribe. Just try it. Or let me put it another way. Don't make me get the whale out. The gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Carl Olson is going to sing for us. I stand for love, I stand for peace, I stand for joy and for release, for what is beautiful and true. I stand for hope, I stand for you, I stand for love, I stand for peace, I stand for joy and for release. For what is beautiful and true I stand for hope, I stand for you You know our world is in great pain She needs our loving care again But there are those who fail to see What we have done and what we need there is a cost for every act And now there is no turning back We burn a bridge, we bang a drum It's time to rise, the time has come To stand for love, to stand for peace To stand for joy and for relief 
what is beautiful and true to stand for hope, to stand for you. If you're thinking it's not urgent that we've got more time to if I'm not the one who'll change things, then for heaven's sake, who is? So I will move and I will climb that mountain one step at a time. I won't be swayed, I will not stop. Till we've made it to the town Where we will stand For love and peace We'll stand for joy and for release For what is beautiful and true We'll stand for hope We'll stand for you For what is beautiful and true I stand for hope, I stand for you. We lift our prayers now to God. Uh, Dennis Ryersgaard is going to lead us in the prayer. Each petition will end, hear us, O God, and our response will be a sung response, take, O oh, take me as I am. Let us pray. We'll sing our response once now and after each petition. Hear us, O oh God. Take, O oh, take me as I am. Summon out what I shall be. Set your seal upon my heart and live in me. Gracious and loving God, we pray for the church. Draw your whole church together as one. Bring an end to division. Send your spirit into your people and spark us to greater love and mission. Hear us, O God. Take, oh, take me as I am. Summon out what I shall be. Set your seal upon my heart and live in me. We pray for the earth, now bursting forth in beauty, for scientists, photographers, and explorers, for lakes and rivers, watersheds and wetlands, ponds and oceans. For scholars, poets, musicians, artists, and all who lead us to greater knowledge and appreciation of the beauty in your creation and what it takes to preserve it. Hear us, O God. Take, O oh, take me as I am. Summon out what I shall be. Set your seal upon my heart. And 
Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the diversity in our lives. We know that we see your beauty and know your love only in our limited ways, and give thanks for the chance through others' eyes and experiences to understand you more fully, to see you more clearly, and to love all your people more completely. Let us take the chance to build, through your amazing variety, a world all are valued. and loving God, we pray for our nation and the world. Be with the people of India and Turkey as they continue to suffer the virus's devastating effects and guide others' efforts to bring aid and relief. Give wisdom and guidance to those who govern in every land. Strengthen all who work for peace. Comfort those who are ill or grieving Protect those who have been displaced or have left their homes in search of safety and freedom. Keep our hearts open to respond in love. Hear us, O oh God. Take, O oh, take me as I am. Summon out what I shall be. Set your seal upon my heart and live in me. Receive these prayers and those unspoken as we trust them to you through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The peace of the Lord be with you. Please take a moment now to share a greeting of peace with those that you're worshiping with, or send an email, pick up the phone, reach out to someone who would like to hear from you today. Peace of the Lord be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And also with you. The peace, the peace of the Lord be with you. Just a few announcements today. First of all, thank you to Joanne and Gary Guernsey for the altar flowers and the many ways that they serve us at Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm going to call on Deacon Amy, and she's going to give us an update on everything that's going on here at the church. Deacon Amy. Thank you, Pastor Jim. A lot going on with education programs at Trinity. Adult education continues to meet on Zoom at 9.15 every Sunday morning. This morning, Pastor Wayne Bacchus concludes his two-week series on the 10 most important things you need to know about the Gospel of John. Next Sunday, our very own Orion Gudgel, Luther Seminary student, will be speaking about intersectional theology. 
should be an interesting conversation. Sunday school classes meet in person at 1030 every Sunday morning. Come on down to the Sunday school hallway for great Bible stories, craft projects, and interesting conversations. Confirmation class will meet at 1130 on Zoom this morning. Our Tuesday youth group for middle school students meets at 4 o'clock every week, alternating between in-person and on Zoom. This week, we'll be meeting at the campfire for games, s'mores, and great conversations. See you soon. Thank you, Deacon Amy. And thank you to all of you for your support, your love, your concern during these 60 weeks of online worship. We don't take it for granted. We appreciate it very much. We're going to move now to the celebration of Holy Communion. So if you haven't had a chance to set up your home altar, you can pause the video at this time and do that. You're going to want some bread and wine, some crackers or grape juice, uh, a cross, a candle, perhaps a Bible. Put those together at your home altar as we move now to the celebration of Holy Communion. We gather joyfully at a table that welcomed our parents and grandparents. A table this day that will welcome Christians of all colors, all tongues, all tribes. A table that welcomes us. A table where there is only one host, and the host is Jesus. And so we remember a Thursday night in Jerusalem. It was Holy Week. It was the night when he was betrayed. Gathered with his disciples around him, he took the bread and blessed it and gave it for all to eat, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And after dinner, he took the cup once again. He lifted it to heaven and gave thanks. He said, This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant given and shed for you. Drink of it, all of you, and do this for the remembrance of me. My friends, as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, the promises of God wash over us. We are loved, we are forgiven, and we are never alone. Jesus is present with us. Now let us pray together as Jesus taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. These are the gifts of God for you, the people of God. All are welcome. All are equal. Please share now the body of Christ given for you the blood of Christ shed for you. Let our hearts not be hardened to those living on the margins. There is room at the table for everyone. This is where it all begins. This is how we gather in. There is room at the table for everyone. Too long we have wandered. 
burdened and undone But there is room at the table for everyone This is how it all begins Let us sing the new world in There is room at the table for everyone There is room for us all And no gift is too small There is room at the table for everyone There's enough if we share Come on, pull up a chair there is room at the table for everyone No matter who you are, no matter where you're from Well, there is room at the table for everyone Here and now we can be the beloved community There is room at the table If we share, come on, pull up a chair. There is room at the table for everyone. Let our hearts not be hardened to those living on the margins. There is room at the table for everyone. This is how we all begin. This is how we gather in. There is room at the table. There is room at the table There is room at the table For everyone Room at the table Room at the table For Now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you now and always in God's grace. Amen. Fed and forgiven, receive now the benediction. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Our sending song now. Let love go forward. Love is a candle that lights up the night. Love is a star that we follow to daylight. Love is a lighthouse that leads us safely home. The surest light We'll ever know Let love go forward from this time and place Shine its healing light in a gentle embrace Let love go forward from this place and time Love can unite us, oh 
Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Until next time, be well. I bless you in the name of the Lord. I bless you in the name of the Lord. As we leave this place, I offer this grace and bless you in the name of the Lord. I thank you in the name of the Lord. I thank you in the name of the Lord. As we leave this place, I offer this grace and bless you in the name of the Lord. I send you in the name of the Lord. I send you in the name of the Lord. As we leave this place, I offer this grace and bless you in the name of the Lord. I bless you in the name of the Lord. I bless you in the name of the Lord. 
As we leave this place, I offer this grace and bless you in the name of the Lord. And bless you in the name of the Lord.